Welcome to this season's final edition of Bowl Season Stories. I'm Nick Carparelli, the Executive Director of Bowl Season, and each week, different guests from the world of college football joined me to talk about current topics in the sport, as well as discuss what they remember most about their bowl game experiences. Today, we are joined by ESPN.com senior college football writer, Heather Dinich, University of, wide, of Utah wide receiver and All-American kick returner, Britton Covey, and Tax Act Texas Bowl Executive Director, David Fletcher. Today's show is brought to you by Tax Act, the official tax filing software of bowl season. Also joining me as she does each week is our on-air producer, Angela Lang. Angela, it was so good to see you this weekend. We spent a lot of time together in Indianapolis leading up to the national championship game, but we haven't spoken since the game kicked off. How about the energy in that building Monday night? The energy was fantastic. And I was deep in the Georgia section for a lot of the game. So maybe, you know, I'm biased just based on where my uh, seat was, but I felt like the dogs really did bring the energy. The whole game was uh, amazing. The ending um, amazing and really a great end to bowl season, Nick. It was for sure. I was also in the Georgia section and, uh, you know, as, as happens in a lot of games that I go to, since this is my profession, I don't really have a dog in the fight, no pun intended, but, uh, it was kind of hard not to get caught up in the energy uh, of the Georgia fans on Monday night. Yeah. Lots of energy and emotion in that game. And, um, our next guest, described it as a storybook season uh, for the University of Georgia. I want to bring in Heather Dinich. She is a senior writer for ESPN.com covering national college uh, football, um, including the playoffs. She was just there in, in Indy with us as well. Also a studio analyst. Heather, it's great to have you on the show. Um, tell me about your time in Indy. Well, let me tell you, you're talking about the energy and I, my seat's in the press box, obviously with the reporters. And when the clock expired, I could feel the entire press box shake and the assistants and the staff members for Georgia who were up in the box just thundered by us like a herd of just overgrown boys cheering and hell yeah, get in the elevator. And it was just, I mean, you could just tell it was something special and it was just very awesome to be a part of that. Well, Heather, uh, thanks again for being on the show. Really looking forward to chatting with you and getting your perspective on, on this year's bowl season. Uh, we just wrapped up bowl season Monday night, as, as we said, with the national championship game, just a great performance by Georgia. To, to claim the national title. Let's talk about that game first. What was your favorite part about the game? And what do you think you'll remember most about it years down the road? Wow. Stetson Bennett and his story, I think, will resonate for as long as this game is played because it literally is the stuff movies are made out of. And I, I know everybody knows it. It's been publicized a thousand times over. But for him to come in as a walk-on, be doubted and criticized after the SEC championship game, and just to have that poison confidence in himself, even when he didn't look good in the first half. Georgia fans wanted him benched in the first half again. And then that's just who he is as a person to come back out. And he led them to a national championship. I mean, it's you can't make that stuff up. And so his story, I think, is what I will always remember. I will always remember his interviews with the media leading up to it because 
for him to stand there and think about this, a college student telling us about why you don't need a smartphone and a flip phone will eliminate all of your distractions. I mean, I was just ready to toss every phone I have out the window after his press conference. He's just, he's just wise beyond his years. And he's what I'm always going to remember about this game. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about the bowl season in general. Now you, Going back to when you were a kid, you grew up in Northeastern Pennsylvania. So there weren't a lot of options nearby for you to go to bowl games in person back then. What was your first experience with bowl games growing up? Did you watch them on TV? Do you, do you feel any sense of uh, emotion about them at that time? We've always, as a family, I mean, you said it, Pennsylvania, Steelers, Eagles, football. I mean, that's, that's it, right? Penn State football is the closest and, and Pitt from where I'm around. My grandfather loved Pitt. He loved the Eagles, but having football in our family, it's always been on the TV. And so bowl season, even though there wasn't a bowl nearby for us to go to, has always been a part of our just Christmas and, and holiday season. And it still is, it always is. And so I, I think that that is one of the reasons why when I graduated from college, this is so silly, but one of my career goals was I want to cover a college football team that goes to a bowl game. <laughs> Period. End of story. The sad part of that was that I got a job covering Penn State football and it was their worst season in school history. They were three and nine. I'm like, seriously, I finally get to cover college football and, and Penn State of all teams is not going to a bowl game. And so after that, I covered Maryland and they were terrible. They didn't go to a bowl game either. And so, you know, to finally be able to participate in a bowl game as a college football writer, I had to cover Maryland with Ralph Regan and they went to um, Orlando, the champ sports bowl at the time. And it was fabulous. And I was still, I'm like, this is what I've been missing. <laughs> and so that was my first experience. And it was awesome. It was so much fun um, because it was a long time coming. Let me tell you. That's, that's a great story. We, we, we hear that a lot. People talk about it being kind of a family tradition. You, you know, over the holidays, you're home together, you turn the TV on, you don't even know what bowl game you're going to find. Sometimes you just, you find one and it's interesting. Sometimes it's a matchup between two teams you've heard about all year and never had a chance to watch. But talk, talk a little bit more about, you know, professionally, you mentioned your first experiences. Were there any moments covering bowl games or attending them in the, in the days leading up to the game that were memorable for you over the years? Uh, you know, well, not specifically being at a bowl game, but I remember one of the most wild and fun stories I wrote about them was a bowl gift story. That was one of my first stories for ESPN.com was to call every single bowl game and write about what the players were going to get for their gifts. And I was like, okay, I'm going to check this out. And it ranged from everything from a hairdryer. I think that was the Sun Bowl at the time. Maybe I can't remember specifically. I'm like, why? What is this? You know, it was, it was, it was the Vitalis Sun Bowl at that time. (laughs) Yes. That's right. Um, to just wild, you know, electronics and all different things. But that was one of one of the fun things. But, you know, just learning more about the things that the players get to do, um, you know, like like the NASCAR thing and everything that they're able to do in the hospital visits and the trips. And it's been um, honestly heartbreaking last year to not be able to do a lot of those things because of, of COVID. But I think that just the whole experience surrounding those trips is what makes them so special and still on my bucket list Nick is um getting out to um 
to Boise to see something out there. Um, and that's one of, one of the ones that's on my list for sure. Very cool. Very cool. Now, how about your thoughts on this year's bowl season as a whole? We had, we had unique matchups. We, I think we had 18 matchups between teams that had never played each other before. We had upsets, overtime games, uh, record television ratings, championship game aside, any, any particular game or specific moments stand out to you this year? Yeah. You know, two come to mind immediately. Um, one watching Purdue and Tennessee. I was like, everybody's got to be watching this game right now. And the controversial call at the end, that to me was just the epitome of everybody needs to have their TVs on right now. And the other one is because I wrote a story on this was Rutgers and Wake Forest and the mad scramble. And Adam Rittenberg, my colleague, and I had a lot of fun talking to Rutgers, their players, their administrators about how bad they wanted to play in a game. And I remember talking to the quarterback and just saying, can you explain to people why you want to do this? I mean, he was in Oklahoma, you know, completely immersed in Christmas with his family walking around and his season was over. Why do you want to pick up and go back to campus across the country and get ready for a bowl game against Wake Forest? And he's like, because we had a terrible taste in our mouth. One more game with these teams, with these guys, for these seniors. And just the experience of that was totally worth it for those players. The quick 180-degree scramble and the same for Wake Forest. Let's find an opponent. Let's get this thing done. Obviously, it didn't turn out the way Rutgers wanted it to. But the passion for the game and the want to was, I thought, just a remarkable story in a, being able to make that happen. It, it, it certainly was. I got a little more difficult question for you. So by all indications, college football is as popular as ever. This year, television viewership was off the charts. I think we had 15 games in the regular season with 7 million or more viewers. Uh, bowl viewership uh, was up. We talked about the compelling matchups. You look at the reaction of the student athletes after the game whether it's Coastal Carolina or UAB or Kentucky after winning the Citrus Bowl, just so meaningful to them. But at the same time, it seems that people continue to want to focus on the negatives, you know, the opt-outs, the transfer portal, obviously COVID affected, you know, our entire way of life. Uh, I asked Pete Thamel this question a couple of weeks ago, where's the balance between all that is good and popular in college football and the great experiences that bowl season provides with the negatives that people tend to want to focus on? Well, you know, the angriest people are the, always the loudest people, right? And, and I think that that happens no matter what you're talking about in our society. But I think that there is some happy medium that can be found. And I'll be interested to see if the minimum requirement for bowl games changes. Does it go to seven and five? Do you shrink it just a little bit, right? Um, and I think if there is some sort of... Um, some way to, to get to that point where you shrink it just a little bit, um, but also continue to provide those games that people are watching. Like you said, you turn on the TV, you don't know which one is on. You're going to watch it. You want to put it, you want to put it on and you want to have it um, so that you're able to enjoy that for weeks after the season ends. Um, but I, you know, I do think that there are some questions that have to be addressed on a larger scale about the opt-outs. And I think, Nick, that that's part of the conversation as the commissioners continue to talk about college football playoff expansion. If it does go to a 12-team playoff, are there fewer players who say, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in the, the semifinals, this four-team playoff, so it doesn't mean as much. And, I, you know, there are 
far more players on the field who say, yes, it does mean as much and I'm not going anywhere. That's still a minority, but it's also an issue that has to be talked about in a broader conversation amongst athletic administrators. Uh, I agree with you there. And I, I think the good news is, is they know it needs to be talked about. It will be discussed. You know, we're, we're hopeful that, that uh, the bowl season and our executive committee will be a part of those discussions because we've, we've been about a part of college football a long time. And, uh, and we, we look forward to continuing that. Uh, what are you going to do with yourself now that the season is over? And do you care to make any early, early predictions for next year? Well, let me tell you something based on what I thought Ohio state do <sighs> with so many players out. I want to say they had 27 scholarship players missing against Utah. I mean, holy cow, I've got Ohio State in my top four heading into next season. Um, I think NC State's going to be surprisingly good. Look out for those guys. Um, but of course, you've got the, the usual suspects up there. I'm curious to see what all of those giant coaching changes are going to do to the overall landscape of the big boys. You know, what can Lincoln Riley do at USC and Brian Kelly at LSU, Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. He's got, you know, his bowl debut wasn't exactly as planned, I'm sure for Irish fans. Um, so we'll see, but my plans are to travel around the country as much as I can and, and talk to coaches and players. And I'm going to be in another CFP expansion meeting in a couple of weeks, apparently. So continuing to follow that story as well. Well, certainly a lot to follow. Uh, good luck with all that, Heather. Thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time. I uh, really appreciate all you do for the game of college football. You're such a great ambassador for the game and for women in sports. And uh, we really appreciate you for that. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks for those kind words. And thank you both for having me on. We're going to take a short break and be right back with University of Utah wide receiver and All-American kick returner, Britton Covey. Stay with us. The forecast for this tax season it's going to rain refunds, lots of refunds. File for less and get more with TaxAct, the official tax filing software of bowl season. Go to taxact.com to get started today. Different too. That's his 40th touchdown pass of the season. <laughs> Joining Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields as the only Buckeyes with 40 or more in a year. He could just work on that accuracy a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't run enough, does he? Look at Covey weaving his way. Look out, Britton Covey accelerates. Can they run him down? No, they can't. Britton Covey, yet another house call as a returner. This one in the Rose Bowl, 97 yards. What a memory in his final game at Utah. Welcome back to Bowl Season Stories, and this Bowl Season had no shortage of amazing moments, but one of the best plays of the Bowl Season has to go to Britton Covey, wide receiver and All-American kick returner for the University of Utah. Britton, so exciting to have you on the show. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Yeah, Britton, thank, thanks for joining us. We, this is our uh, 21st and final Bowl Season Stories podcast of the year. We've had uh, football legends, hall of famers, uh, but they're all older guys. You're the, you're the first one. That's, that's a, you know, I know you just finished your college career, but you're the first active player played in this year's, this, uh, this year's bowl season. So really, yeah. really looking forward to getting your perspective, uh, you and your teammates. Uh, I mean, that Rose bowl was amazing. Just 12 days ago now seems, seems longer ago than that, but bowl season overall was really exciting this year. Your game was probably the most exciting. You're a senior. 
final score aside, can you think of a better scene to close out your career? Oh man. Uh, no. And I'm finally, finally starting to get over the loss. I don't know if I'll ever fully get over it. Right. But you start to, you know, not that there are moral victories, but you start to, you know, look at what you accomplished. And I mean, I got text messages from everybody across the country. I, I got tech me text messages from people in different countries that were watching the game. And so it was just really cool to be a part of such a historic game. And, um, going to take a while to swallow the loss because we were so close but it looking back it's you know awesome to end your career on that and, and go out on that note yeah i never thought about that i mean so when things are so fresh in your mind it's all a, a big uh a little bit cloudy sometimes right it, you get some uh -huh. get more get more clarity as time goes on uh, it was obviously the Utes' first ever trip to the rose bowl big deal for the fans as well as the team. What was the entire experience like in capping off what was really a fantastic season for you guys? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, I think we had over 65,000 Ute fans there. I think that was the number that they, that they wrote, uh, which is amazing because Rice Eccles stadium only holds 55,000. So it was like playing in front of a packed Rice Eccles stadium, which was so cool. And, you know, I had like 60 family members go down, I think the whole state of Utah in general just kind of got behind it. And uh, it was beautiful because, you know, I know Ohio State's been there multiple times. They've been to national championships, but that was the first time for us. And uh, the whole state kind of rallied behind it. And it was part of that almost underdog mentality, right, of we're trying to get the national respect. That's how my whole career has kind of been at Utah, just – when I first came to BU, we were joining the Pac-12, or we were, you know, new into the Pac-12, I think three or four years, trying to earn respect in the Pac-12. But it's cool because now we're earning national respect. You know, we have that Pac-12 respect. We've been to the finals three times, but now we're more on the national level. So it's cool to kind of just see the progression of the program. Both you and Ohio State, you both clearly wanted to win that game. I mean, you guys especially, you came out, fast really took it to the Buckeyes in the first half what what was your mindset and preparation like going into that game was it different than than any of the other games you'd been a part of I mean if you're a coach and you're asked that question you know you kind of answer with the cliche you know every game's the same kind of thing but the truth is every game isn't the same you know it's certain you know playing against certain teams changes the culture of the game or mentality playing in certain certain atmospheres and so there definitely was a little bit of extra motivation added there because you're playing Ohio State um, because they had a couple of receivers decide to not play you know and and so you're you're a little bit fired up about that you know saying you know they think they can beat us without these guys or or these guys aren't taking this game as you know so you kind of just as a player it's kind of like the Michael Jordan documentary right you look for any little extra motivation you can find and uh, we came out there and our whole thing was we're going to show them how physical a team from the West Coast can be uh, because, you know, East and West don't play that often. And we're going to show them how physical our team can be. And you know, I think we did that, didn't come out on top. But especially in that first half, you saw we were kind of owning the line of scrimmage in that first half. Um, they just had a great game plan, especially through the air. Right.
Yeah, I think you definitely accomplished that. They, they, you got their attention in the first half, maybe too much so that, that caused them to, to wake up a little bit more in the second half. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking at your bowl game career, and obviously it was a little little unique between redshirting and a church mission. You, you were part of four bowl games, didn't play in every one, but you made the trips, Las Vegas Bowl, Holiday Bowl, Alamo Bowl, and then, of course, the Rose Bowl. In your opinion, what does the reward of going to a bowl game mean to the student athletes and the, and the entire team? Yeah, well, I, I love bowl games. I, you know, I think, obviously, I've been a part of some pretty great bowls, right? I mean, Holiday, Alamo, Vegas, and Rose. Those are four great bowl games. Um, but, you know, I know there's a lot of things going around about, you know, what are bowl games nowadays and things like that. But, you know, as a player, I'd say the vast majority of players just love the experience of bowl games. Uh I mean, I even got to bring my wife on this year's bowl game, which was the greatest thing of all time. You know, I got to enjoy the festivities with her. But I've had some pretty great experiences, and each bowl game has its own unique kind of identity to it. And so I love bowl games, and I think the vast majority of players do. The only thing that players don't love is the practices leading up to bowl games. And I don't know if that's just because of Coach Whittingham. I mean, Coach Whittingham it's snowing in Utah by December and he would, he has no mercy. He'll make the offensive defense practice right in a blizzard. And that's, that's the only part that you don't love. But other than that, just to enjoy it. And most every single game, every single away game throughout the season is a business trip, right? You go the night before you have your mind locked in and you don't enjoy anything. And then you, it's a business trip, but bowl games, you've earned the right to enjoy it, right? So it's a business trip when it comes to the latter part, but you enjoy the rest of it. And so it's like, you know, reaping the fruits of your labors kind of thing. For sure. And uh, I know Coach Witt pretty well. Not not surprising that he's uh, driving you guys pretty hard. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, a lot of our guests on this podcast have said how hard it is when you're younger and still playing to appreciate what's going on when it's happening. Uh, we had so many great stories on this podcast about great memories, but they, these are guys that, you know, maybe played 10, 20, 30 years ago, looking back on it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, not just, they talked about not just the game itself, but the, the fun with their teammates leading up as, as you mentioned too. Now you're unique to this podcast. You're fresh off your college career. Do you think you were able to appreciate how special those moments were? And what are some of the memories from your bowl game experiences that you are certain that 20, 30 years from now you'll remember? For the rest of your life yeah well i agree see i had a unique career in general right i mean started in 2015 and then went on my mission for the church of jesus christ latter-day saints for two years so when i came back from that mission i came back with a whole different perspective because i came back to a whole new team basically and i had teammates from that 2015 season texting me those exact things you were saying nick just enjoy it. You have no idea how much you'll miss it. Like, you know, you get out here and you have to work in a real job and all these things. Then after that season, my sophomore year, I tore my ACL and had to sit out a whole nother year. And so coming back with a whole added perspective after that and then COVID. So I feel like I've been able to live in the moment and kind of have that paradigm that I feel like my past teammates have given me. And I think that's really important. I, I feel like my generation, and I don't know if it was always like this or if it's just because of the rise in social media and transfer portal or whatever it is, 
so many of my my colleagues or teammates are so obsessed with going to the NFL that sometimes they don't enjoy college. And when they don't start right away as a freshman or a sophomore, they start to panic because their NFL dream doesn't, you know, it might not pan out. And I totally understand that. Um, but I also feel like having the dream of playing college football is something that you have to live in the moment. And so I just think that so many people are so um, obsessed with going to the NFL that they forget about, you know, college is, it's like a glorified high school, because, you know, because you're still with guys who, you know, it's not just your full-time job, it, you know, it's, it's still fun and all those things. And I mean, I don't know how it is in the NFL, but, but I love college. And, and I think it's a good when you can get that team buy into that mentality. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty certain, you know, guys who opt out, you know, that's their decision, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of them are not going to look back down the road and, and say, boy, I'm so glad I did that. You know, but I, I know there's a lot of guys that right. look back and say, God, I'd give anything to play one more game with my friends. Right. You know, And, and, and in the case of those, those Ohio state receivers, you understand because their first round pick. So I totally get it, you know? Yeah. So an interesting tidbit for our listeners, your grandfather, Stephen Covey, offered the bestseller seven habits of highly effective people. I didn't put two and two together till we were researching this. I, I read that book a couple of times. seems like a brilliant man. Regrettably, he passed away in 2012. Tell us what was your grandfather like? And do you think having him around and the perspective he provided gave you some sort of advantages in your life? Yeah. Well, I mean, my grandfather was everything to me. And what was great, so he passed away when I was about 14. What was great was I knew him as the goofy grandpa, you know, pull pranks on his grandkids type of guy. Just such a loving person. He really lived what he taught. But since he's passed away and I've started to appreciate his work more and he's left that legacy. I mean, I didn't read one of his books until after he passed away. But since then, I've read his books two or three times over, and I've gotten to know him in a way that I, you know, couldn't appreciate when I when he was alive. And so it's just really cool. His everything that he taught has had a profound influence on me and just on who I try to be. Um, he really was an amazing person. So yeah, his his work is timeless. It's like Beatles songs, right? It will be it was relevant fifty years ago, and it will be relevant in a hundred years from now. Uh, it's because it's all principle-based things that don't change. And so I love it. Yeah. So love talking about my grandpa. That's awesome. It certainly will remain relevant. It's, it's a, it's one of the all-time bestsellers, but it's, it's one of those books that's going to continue to sell over the years and will probably uh, continue to climb up those charts. So last question, what, what's next for you? What, what is the early part of 2022 have in store for Britain Covey? Yeah. Well, it's fun to end my career on the Rose Bowl and to play against Ohio State. If any Ohio State fans listening, shout out to you guys. So gracious. I loved playing against your team. So kind. And the fans were awesome. So um, fun to end my career on that. Now I'm just training for the NFL. Uh, I actually had another year of eligibility, believe it or not. But I chose to not take it because I'm already, you know, getting up there in age. And uh, just training right now and hoping that someone, you know, takes a chance on me as a kind of return specialist slash slot receiver. I think that that role in the past 10 years has kind of gotten more prevalent in the NFL. I think we can all see you in that role for right. sure. 
yeah. or as a holder, even if I'm just the holder for field goals. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'm, that's what I'm doing right now, just training and it's pretty fun. I've never gotten to just focus on football. So. Well, good for you. Well, Brit, Brit, and thanks so much for being on the show. You were so much fun to watch as a player. You're, you're, you're a great dude. Uh, we wish you the best of luck in the NFL. I, I, I have a hunch you're going to do uh, just fine. Thanks, Nick. I, I appreciate it. We're going to take a short break and be right back with the Tax Act Texas Bowl Executive Director, David Fletcher. Stay with us. Ticket Smarter is the official ticket resale marketplace of bowl season. Nothing compares to the power and excitement of live events. Ticket Smarter is the smarter way to buy tickets for live events like sports, concerts, and theater. Visit TicketSmarter.com or download the app today. Welcome back to Bowl Season Stories. And our final guest of this first season is the executive director of the Texas Bowl and Texas Kickoff. That's David Fletcher coming off of a very exciting game. David, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's great to be here, Angela. Thank you so much. Looking forward to spending some time with my good buddy here, Nick Carparelli, talking, some, talking about bowl season. Yeah, David, you and I spent a lot of time together in the last week. I was at your game, which was just a great show, like, like you always put on. We were at the championship game together. Uh, there's probably not too many questions uh, left for me to ask you that I don't already, already know. But for the benefit of your fans, uh, I think we have some great questions uh, for you today. Now, the Tax Act Texas Bowl was played on January 4th, non-traditional date for bowl game, but one in which you were the only game on that night. Uh, what were your expectations heading into this year's game? And what and can we expect to see that game on a similar date next year? Well, Nick, you know how the uh, bowl season evolves each and every year, working around the, the various calendars on the programming front, uh, NFL, NBA, uh, certainly the, the rights holders of ESPN, Fox, CBS, all trying to trying to maximize the uh, holiday viewing window. So, you know, for us here in Houston, it was a, a new opportunity. We had, we had a chance to be the last game of bowl season before incredible champ game in, in Indy this past week. And for us, you know, we embrace that as an opportunity here in Houston to really in, enjoy a standalone window, create a national stage to reinforce Houston as a premier destination for college football. Um, it was our 10th straight primetime uh, matchup really excited to work with our partners at ESPN to create that type of visibility for our community but it was also really important for our new title sponsor Tax Act as it gave them a forum to really uh, introduce their product to a national stage and, and do so in a very relevant time of year for them tax season so you know certainly was a little more challenging on the uh, on the ticket front than, than maybe past years here in Houston we had a back to school week it was a Tuesday night um, you know, we were one of the games that was impacted last year by COVID, um, and our game was canceled last year. So we, we were still feeling the effects of that and, and certainly everything that's going on in the environment now. And, and that non-traditional date just, you know, obviously was, was a little different. But um, we had a great matchup, two strong local bases, particularly LSU, that helped us navigate that. And going forward, we expect to move back into our more traditional window between Christmas and New Year's Eve. But Again, we'll embrace any opportunity we can to showcase Houston in that kind of environment. Now, Houston is obviously a great football town. You mentioned the matchup. Texas Bowl pits a Big 12 team versus an SEC team. And, and that, the game has become a great tradition in the Houston area. How have you seen your game grow and mature as you and your staff have made the Texas Bowl really, really just a, a, a one of the must-see games in the bowl lineup each year? 
Yeah, we've had fun with it, Nick. You know, I mean, I've, I've been very fortunate to, to spend my entire career in, in sports to this point, um, you know, and, and this is my 13th season with, with the Houston Texans, our, our group at Lone Star Sports and Entertainment that manages the game, um, you know, and, and a variety of other events in the Houston community has, has really, um, you know, embraced the chance to have these two great elite conferences in our community each and every year. We've been able to build ancillary programming off of it with, you mentioned the Texas kickoff to start uh, and, and, and other college football events that we were able to host. Um, really the biggest difference maker for us is, is the fact that we have two great entities, two massive um, sports brands in, in the NFL and ESPN that come together uniquely here in Houston to, to put this game on. We, we've started, when I got in this role in 2014, the first thing I did coming from the team side was um, really focused on, on creating more synergies in our game day experience at, at our Lone Star events, particularly with the Tax Act Texas Bowl, with what we had going on on the team side. Um, the Texans are the number one tailgating environment in the NFL. Um, five of the last eight years, they've won the best game day production in the NFL. So there's so many talented individuals that we have the opportunity to work with. Um, it was a no-brainer for us to bring in their talents into our side, create a lot more um, consistency in our game presentation. Um, and then you coupled that with the, the power of the ESPN brand who, who owns the game here in Houston and been our partner in it uh, for the past 12 years. Um, you know, that's really helped elevate the, the brand of the game, the viewership um, and the experience overall. Um, and, and we've tried to lean in Nick to the idea that we are, we're a challenger event or a challenger game or a challenger uh, market. You know, we're an up and coming event. Um, for the last five seasons prior to this year, the winners of our game played in a New Year's Six Bowl the next year. So you've got teams that are on the way up. You, you've got a, a primetime window in a market that's really important to college football. And um, it's something that uh, has been a great formula for success. I, I did tell Chris Kleiman, the Kansas State head coach, uh, right after the game, I said, no pressure on you, Chris, but you know the stat, right? It's uh, you, you got to hold up the tradition that uh, we've started here. And he, he embraced it and, and gave me a great hug and then said, we're, we're on our way, my friend, we're on our way. So, you know, all that's to say we've got, we put Houston in position to host major events consistently. Um, and uh, we're going to get to put that on stage, uh, not only for the Texas kickoff and, 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 the, and the tax act Texas bowl, but um, you know, uh, very excited that our group will be part of uh, that 2024 national championship game here in Houston, which um, we've all been working towards for a long time. You, you make a good point about what the winner of your game has gone on to do the next year. We've heard a lot of people talk about bowl games kind of serving two purposes. Sometimes, oftentimes they're a reward for a successful season, uh, but they can also be, or, or simultaneously be kind of a launching point for the following season. And we've certainly seen that uh, with the winners of your game. Now your personally, your background has been in sports marketing partnerships for media rights holders, fortune 500 companies, you know, with that, you know, skill set behind you, you know, what, what growth have you seen on the business side for the Texas Bowl since 2014 when you became the executive director? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, Nick, but I mean, we really lean into the three major components that, that have made the Tax Act Texas Bowl a huge success. And, and first and foremost, I mean, ESPN, you know, I mean, ESPN is a tremendous partner. Um, they, they, they bring legitimacy to what we were doing early on when, um, when uh, and many, many, many of the listeners may not know, but you were a big reason why we even got back into the, the college bowl space. Um, as uh, I'm proud, as proud of that, 
What's that? I'm very, very proud of that. Actually, I don't, yep. I don't tell, not too many people know that, but makes no, me you aren't. But you helped our Big East partnership. We first relaunched the game, and and uh, and and you know, we we were just trying to figure things out as we went, and and getting to ESPN here was was incredible. Um, and and they've been great partners for us. You know, the second component that that really was a game changer for us. I mean, we we've had a a really strong relationship with the Big Twelve. Um, but bringing over the SEC as, as their conference partner on the other side, it was a game changer for, for this event. I mean, two elite conferences, geographically the most relevant. And, um, you know, from our perspective, it's, it's really helped the, the business of the game. Um, our attendance is up 15% um, since, um, since that partnership started. Our TV viewership is up 40%. Um, and, you know, in that time, we've been able to build the Tax Act Texas Bowl into a, one of the biggest uh, bowl season events in the country and, and have a really uh, good opportunity to continue to do that because of the third thing, which is embracing our, 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 our love for football in this community. I mean, this is one of the uh, most football crazed parts of the world. It's a really important market, not only for recruiting, which is fairly obvious and known uh, on the college football space, but for alumni relations and, and the, the love of football in, in Houston is strong. Um, we, uh, we are an NFL team, so we are able to leverage uh, those synergies I mentioned earlier, but it, it, we've leaned into that, and, and we've really um, been fortunate enough that the community here has bought into what we're doing, which is bringing big-time events to Houston on an annual basis, and um, our, you know, our, our strong, strong local ticket base of over 35,000 um, is something that uh, helps us create the atmosphere and create the energy that we all want to see at these events. Now you mentioned Tax Act earlier. They're, they're, they were a new title sponsor uh, this year. What does the relationship with them mean to the Texas Bowl in helping reach your goals as you continue to grow your brand? Yeah, you know, look, title sponsors are the lifeblood of this business. Um, and we have a fantastic one in Tax Act, um, the official tax preparation software bowl season. Um, you know, and, and also uh, just, just really an, an important Texas company um, that, um, that we couldn't be more thrilled to have on our team. You and I have talked to, to Curtis Campbell, the president and CEO, and, and I mentioned it earlier. They're very much a challenger brand in the space with longstanding dominant players trying to make a name for themselves. We're very like-minded in that approach, and, and it's been something that right out of the gate immediately paid dividends not only in the planning process, um, but just relationally as, as we're trying to figure out you know, how we can continue to build value for them and grow our game uh, and our events here. Um, they've been as good as it gets. And, um, you know, we, we just, you know, we, we have to continue to find ways to, to create um, opportunities to, to, to deliver value for them and then some. But uh, I really love the team we have around us. Can't thank them enough for their support of college football and bowl season and our event here in Houston. And uh, we've got a lot more big things ahead with them. For sure. And as we all know, they're, they're great partners to bowl season. Uh, as well. Uh, really excited about the new partnerships, new friendship that we've made with those guys and looking forward to this being a, a long partnership. Last question for you. What's your favorite part of the job? You mean other than getting paid to watch football? I mean, come on. Now. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it, it is a lot of fun. I've, I've had a, a very, um, I've had a, I've had a fun career. I, I really enjoy where we're heading next. Um, but for me, I, I will say that the best part is that, that I get to do great things in my hometown of Houston, Texas. And, um, you know, I, I've been able to be part of the narrative that Houston is one of the great global cities in the world. 
Um, we're consistently bringing in major college football events, international soccer events, concerts, things that, that deliver economic impact. They deliver um, you know, visibility for, for a place that I love and it's been very close uh, to, to my heart. And um, you know, going forward, we've got even bigger ones. We're going to be hosting the Final Four here in, in, in 2023. I mentioned the, the CFP National Championship game in 2024. We're, we're a World Cup, uh, we're a FIFA World Cup finalist city, and, and we do events like the Tax Act Texas Bowl each and every year that create really great memories for people. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really not work. I really mean that. I mean, this is, this is fun for me, but more importantly, it, it's, it helps me be a part of something bigger that, that's um, it's really important to me. So I'm going to keep doing it as long as they let me. So. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, David, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for the great job you do, not just for the Tax Act Texas Bowl, but for, for, for college football in general. Uh, you're, you're a member of my executive committee, the Bowl Season Executive Committee. So you, thanks for keeping me in line. I know that's, that's probably your biggest job, but uh, thanks for all your help and support. We appreciate it. Nick, I like I all that. So much fun to see this, uh, this Bowl season unfold and uh, really appreciate your leadership and uh, more big things ahead. Here we go. For sure, for sure. And thanks to all of you for listening to this year's final episode of Bowl Season Stories. And thanks for joining us all season long. We had so many great guests this year, reliving their bowl season memories. Please look back and listen to any episodes you've missed. And we will be back next fall for another season of bowl season stories. If you like the show, we'd appreciate you dropping a five-star rating for the podcast. And as always, you can follow all the podcast and bowl season news on our website, bowlseason.com and on social media at bowl season. Thanks for listening. Ah!